Follow us on all socials at Battle Approved. That's at Battle Approved. Hey, this is the Battle Approved podcast at the Blue Wire Studios at the Wynn Vegas. Let's just get straight into it. Like, yeah. what is Boxable? Yeah, absolutely. So um, we are actually right here in, in Las Vegas. We have a set up a big factory to mass produce housing. And we have a whole bunch of innovation and technology that makes our houses better and faster and lower cost. So it's pretty cool. A lot of people, you know, if they go to the website, uh, boxabl.com, they'll immediately notice this little house that folds up and unfolds on site. So uh, that's one of our big innovations that allows the house to ship uh, at the lowest possible cost. And it's going to allow us to solve a whole bunch of problems and hopefully mass produce housing that is just way cheaper than anyone else can do it uh, faster and cheaper and um, yeah lots of exciting stuff we just set up our first uh, factory uh, just uh, last year and now we're producing and shipping houses every day I've been to the factory it's pretty impressive um, 177,000 square feet is that about right yeah we uh, got signed up with it January of last year then uh, by the middle of the year had moved in and uh, I think October, first house came off the assembly line. Now we have about uh, 200 employees, 170,000 feet. We can build about two houses every, every day. Um, and that's just going to go up, too, as we continue to kind of refine things and, and streamline them. So lots of exciting stuff. Uh, we, we even just completed a large order for the federal government. Mm-hmm. So they ordered 150 houses. That was really our first big customer. And we just finished delivering that. And they're using that for military-based housing. Was that like part of your, your kind of like internal R&D as well? Like doing that? Like were you kind of... Because like when, you, when a Tesla goes off the line, they say like every Tesla's different. They're kind of tweaking everything as it goes off the line. So every new Tesla, you're getting something slightly better than what was done before. Yeah, and I think even more so than automobiles because mm-hmm. there's a lot of established principles there. Right. What we've done is kind of changed everything. So most houses in North America are built with wood and nails. Our houses are not built with that. We're using all different materials, all manufacturing methods. So I'm calling our first factory almost like an R&D test factory. Yeah. And a huge amount of learning is going on. We're going through different generations of the product as we you know, uh, tweak it and change it and upgrade it and uh, tons of Tons of exciting stuff happening all the time. It's getting better and better. We're, we're finding it more and more, and hopefully we'll have a really big impact. The, the actual place is, when you go there, it's actually quite exciting. Like, I kind of get the vibe that everyone there is actually really liking being there. Um, just from when you walk in the door, like how you're kind of, how you're oh, kind yeah. of greeted. There is, like, a real cool tour you can go on. Like, you go on this little golf cart, and you go through the factory. Oh, yeah. Um, but, yeah, the vibe I'm getting is like, oh, man, I, you know, I run my own company, right? But like, I want to work at Boxable. <laughs> it's, nice. kinda, it's kind of like a good vibe. And um, Yeah, we're really vibing hard there. Yeah. Uh, pretty cool. Big open workspace. Um, everyone super excited to be there. It's a cool new thing with a really big upside. We also give all the employees uh, stock options, so mm-hmm. that doesn't, doesn't hurt uh, yeah, with their cool. enthusiasm. And uh, we also do a lot of weird stuff all the time, too, to make it exciting. So, for okay. example, yeah. yesterday we had, we had a pony there. I don't know if you missed it. I saw on social media, was it like a pony to be made like a unicorn or something like that? Or was it like a it, it was pink a, it was a, Yeah, it was a unicorn. Okay, yeah. It was a real unicorn. It was a, yeah, it was a real unicorn. <laughs> wow. Everything in Vegas, yeah. Where do you find a unicorn? Uh, yeah. I just, just Googled it. <laughs> Craigslist. Rent. 
pony to be made like a unicorn. So what was that was just like you just had a pony in there just to kind of like just make it kind of like why is there a pony in here or was there like yeah. a whole theme to it? Yeah, so the company's success has been driven a lot by good marketing, social media, just getting a whole lot of eyeballs on us, a whole lot of people finding out about us. Yeah. So it's really important. We've driven everything from that, whether it was um, customers, investors, employees finding out about us, suppliers finding out about us. It's all been off the back of huge awareness of the company. So right. that's um, you know very important for us. We have a huge social media following. And we were just yesterday shooting a, an update video. We have a lot of uh, new, exciting updates about the company and our progress. So we're just uh, shooting a video and we decided to throw in the, the unicorn into the video <laughs> just to make it a little Story weirder to catch people's one. attention. Yeah. Uh, so Trying to juice the algorithm a little bit, yeah, social yeah. media algorithm. Was that across all socials like YouTube, like YouTube and stuff as well or just like kind of Instagram style stuff? Uh, we'll use that footage for a whole bunch of stuff but the main idea of the shoot yesterday was for a YouTube video. Yeah. Um, so we did a bunch of YouTube videos but one of the themes was episode one, episode two, episode three just kind of following the progress of the company since mm -hmm. we started in this factory. So now we're doing episode four because we have a whole bunch of milestones that we want to announce to everyone. So that was shooting most of that yesterday. Since I, I, I did a tour, mm. I think it was like, I think it was last year when the mask was still a thing and stuff like that. So it was, everyone was masked up. But what wasn't a thing at Boxable. No, I think but most people wanted to wear a mask. Yeah. Not everyone. Some people still we do. Don't, we, we don't even have to talk about that. <laughs> it, can be a, <laughs> it can be a thing. Um, but one thing I was thinking is, it just like the whole layout, it, it kind of felt like you, I was in a big Ikea, but rather than just getting some furniture at the end, you're going to get a house or somewhere to live, right? So you had like these big signs at the top. So it's like phase one, two, I, don't, I can't remember what everything's called. Um, and I was thinking like, have you guys ever like done a race? Like once you've got it all perfected, then you might have like an A and B, like like um like you have a blue team and a red team or something and then race and see how quickly you can make one of these things and maybe the team wins some a house, extra. A house race yeah like we'll ride the house across the factory not no no not ride it like for build it like <laughs> each phase boom boom so you've got like how, how many people does it take to build one um so we're producing two houses per shift right um we've got maybe like on the factory floor like about 150 people okay um and then we can definitely do more. Right now, we're just focused on kind of perfecting everything before we look to ramp up the speed. Yeah. And we'll see. It's going to get really efficient, though, uh, especially as we things go go forward. So it's going to be pretty crazy. Yeah. Okay. Get more get more automation in, more more CNCs, more equipment. Uh, we're actually just about to buy uh, millions of dollars more in equipment. That's really going to kind of change everything up. When we started, we thought let's just keep it as manual and as simple as we can. Let's not, you know, uh, risk too much of our of our money uh, until the product is, you know, fixed. And, right. and we think we don't think it's going to change. Then we can invest in more equipment and automation. So that's what we're uh, ready to do now after doing this big kind of first order for, for the government. It was 156 houses. And now that we've done that, learned a whole lot, and we're going to implement everything we learned into new kind of changes. Can you say, um, like, you're not using wood and you're not using nails um so everything's got to be thick enough and stuff so is it really like about like compression and glue and stuff or something or like the way yeah so we're our our, our houses are built using a laminated 
panel system. Okay. Uh, it's like a composite panel, and it's it's existing technology. It's called, if you look it up, SIP, uh, Structurally Insulated Panels, mm-hmm. and it's been around for a long time. Uh, what we've done is, is taken what was around and, and tweaked it a little bit, some different materials, some different engineering, but it's really great. It allows us to have a tremendous level of energy efficiency, and it also uh, means the house is extremely structurally strong, like we have hurricane wind ratings on all the panels, and it just gives us so many benefits. And one of the first benefits was the simplicity. So we've reduced the component count within our house dramatically from like a traditionally built house or a okay. traditionally factory built house. And that just means everything is way faster and cheaper. So we, instead of having, you know, a hundred pieces of wood and a thousand little nails, we've got like, let's say 15 pieces per wall, roughly. Uh, and then those pieces are all processed by computer controlled cutting equipment. So right off the shelf, we get this level of automation from this standard equipment. That's these CNC cutters. Mm-hmm. Then it cuts the, each piece, uh, to the desired you know, shape or whatever. And then those get rapidly assembled together into those finished wall panels. So right now, even at this early stage, we're building a wall in about uh, 20 minutes. Whereas, you know, a traditional wall in a traditional house, you're not, there's no way you're building that in 20 minutes. And then after we go through these equipment upgrades that we're working on now, we should get that down to like two or three minutes per wall. At which point, you know, anyone's going to look at that and say, holy shit, this is crazy to build a right. wall in two or three minutes. And, you know, the, the goal really, like my goal is I want to build one house per minute because that's what they do with automobiles. That's what they do in a Ford factory or, you know, a, a Tesla factory. There's it's, no reason why you couldn't. Yeah. With our technology, it makes it kind of compatible with that. And if we can hit that number, it's, it's game over. You know, we're going we're gonna to win big time. The, uh, the ceiling and floors, are they exactly the same as the walls? Or is there a little bit more insulation on the top? Yeah, so it's a different um, different kind of uh, engineering a little bit, but the, most of the materials are all the same. All the panels are the same. Floor is the same as the ceiling, um, almost exactly the same. And then the walls, uh, uh, all the same materials in there. Okay. So, yeah. So going back to the name, the thing, obviously, so it's box and it folds, foldable, boxable. That's hence the name, right? And so this, this, um, this house is 24. Uh, what is it? It's 20 by 20, 20 yeah, by 20, yeah. 400 square feet. And then it folds down to a size that can be taken down the freeway. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's a huge thing, right? In terms of how these things are going to be shipped. And yeah, th- this first room module that we have is kind of the smallest room in our system. Okay. And it's uh, intended to just be a little kind of studio apartment. It's got a kitchen, a bathroom, bed and a couch. And it is 20 feet by 20 feet, nine and a half high ceiling. It's pretty much the smallest kind of livable space we could create. And that's where we're starting. But eventually we'll have a full building system where we make different size rooms. So we'll have okay. uh, bigger rooms with different interiors. Maybe uh, one's a kitchen box, one's a uh, bedroom box, one's a living room box, and a few different designs. And then people will be able to stack and connect those to build most building types. So it could be a single family residential or a big thousand unit apartment building and, and everything in between hopefully so those are kind of our grand aspirations to make you know almost all building types on the planet uh, but we are just starting out with this little casita as kind of an easy way to start and mm-hmm. the interest in that is far greater than we had ever imagined i thought maybe we'd sell a few hundred of them now we have a wait list with over 110,000 names on it so it's been totally mind-blowing for us and then of course the core innovation is that these houses do fold up so they are finished in the factory, uh, completely finished. So 
uh, kitchen, bathroom, plumbing, electric, windows, flooring, uh, everything we could is done in the factory, but it still folds up to a highway legal shipping width. So that's right. eight and a half feet wide. Uh, and that's so important because that reduces the shipping costs enough where it actually makes sense to mass produce in a factory and ship it versus just building it on site. Yeah, I think that's the, um, that's the kicker right there. Once you start doing them and shipping them, I mean, who's going to compete with that? Yeah. Right? Because yeah. you always see these wide vehicles going down the road. And then, you know, the more traffic, it's just like the traffic piles up. It's, yeah, it's a, it causes it's a, problems for everyone. Yeah, it's a big uh, dead end. Uh, when you ship those wide loads, you have um, not just the truck carrying the load, but you'll have a follow car. So like another car with flags yeah. on it <laughs> driving behind it. So then you're paying two drivers. Yeah. Then you have restricted routes, restricted travel times. Uh, sometimes some states require police escorts. So total nightmare, not scalable at all. Yeah. And that's why we don't see most houses being built in the factory. That's why only about 10% of houses are. So we think that once we take that problem out of the equation, we can all of a sudden mass produce housing on a scale that's never been done before, ship them all around the country, all around the world, and just really have a, a crazy impact and scale up manufacturing to the point where it just looks like a, a multi-million square foot car factory with, with robots and all that crazy stuff. Yeah. I think like the last time we spoke, that was the thing that kind of stood out the most for me was um, that, it, that it does fold, go down the road. And what, what's, what's the, um, what do you think the build time is? So when it arrives on the site, whether it's going on a monolithic slab or it's just going on some bricks or whatever the foundation is going to be that the owner is going to choose, how quickly do you think, realistically, when you first start, it's going to take to build? Like, would you would it arrive in the morning and it would be finished by the end of the day? Yeah, pretty yeah. much. Um, you're going to prepare some kind of foundation. Sure. It could be anything yeah. or nothing. Uh, yeah. And you're going to prepare utilities to plug in. That can be um, electric, solar, generator, septic, city sewer, whatever you want. To connect depending on the use case yeah that'll all be ready to go and then when our unit arrives it's going to set up in like an hour uh, we can unfold it in the factory in like 20 minutes um, so on site you know maybe it takes a couple hours if, if the crew's new new at doing it but it's incredibly easy and it's only going to get easier too as we continue to upgrade the product and make some tweaks and, and get feedback from actual real site installations right this uh this idea um this came from i believe your dad like he came up with the original idea like yep. 15 plus years ago? Yeah, it was uh, uh, myself, uh, my, my father, Paolo, and another guy named Kyle Denman. Mm -hmm. uh, we started really working on it in 2017. Okay. But Paolo actually had the idea to fold the house up uh, many years before that. He, before this, had an intellectual property licensing company where he would basically invent stuff, uh, patent, patent it, and then sell the patent. So he had many different inventions. He was very successful with that. And one of those inventions was the folding house idea. And uh, nothing was really done with it early on until around 2017 when we decided to take a look at it and started putting some resources into it, created a website, some renders, started doing some actual real testing and prototyping and got traction. And the traction just continued to grow and grow until it got crazy. Uh, and now, you know, we've, we've managed to crowdfund over $100 million for the project and are really, you know, moving really quickly now. Yeah. Did he... When he came up with the idea, did he at the time think like, oh, I'm going to do this? Or is he just more like an ideas guy at the time? Yeah, exactly. So his previous business was kind of just doing the invention part and then licensing out or selling that invention to someone else. So like Tiramani Inventions, like TI or something like that. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Tiramani Inventions. And, and he <laughs> would, uh, uh, so, so, you know, he didn't necessarily do the execution, um, but he did kind of the invention 
Um, so, you know, I guess maybe that's that's kind of where I came a little bit on, on the execution side yeah. and was able to help push that forward uh, to where we are now. Well, um, was it just like around dinner or something? Or did you like, were you sitting in bed and go, oh, I've got to go and see my dad. I'll, let me see. <laughs> like, how, like what made you? Well, uh, back then I was uh, living in Northern California mm-hmm. uh, in, in the woods on a farm, a marijuana farm. Okay. And I uh, had this crazy operation going up there. It was <laughs> fun time. <laughs> and uh, as usual, I was just looking for, for new projects and or new entrepreneurial ventures. I've always done different stuff. Um, and that business I had at the time, I finally got it to where it was kind of on autopilot. So I was looking for new stuff. And I just, you know, thought about the folding house idea. And I literally called my dad one day and I was talking to him and I was like, hey, what about the, the folding house idea? It wasn't called Boxable. Right. Um, and uh, he was like, yeah, let's let's do it. And I was like, all right, we'll, we'll take another look at it. Um, so we just started off slow. We, we made a website. We made some 3D renders, spent you know a few hundred bucks on some 3D renders, and then um, put it out there. And eventually, things really took off once we got a bite from, uh, it's called Show Village. It's a builder magazine. Okay. Um, they do a show every year at the Las Vegas Convention Center where they have all these modular houses out in the parking lot at the oh. International Builder Show. What year is this? Is this in 17 or 18, 19? This was like early 18. Um, they basically invited us to the show. They called us one day and like, hey, this boxable looks cool. You want to bring one to the show, mm. display it? And I was like, well, I'd love to, but we don't have anything yet. Mm-hmm. It's just all bullshit renders yeah. and, and pictures. Um, so then we had a meeting, uh, him, myself, uh, Paolo and Kyle, and said, should we commit to this? Can we do it? Can we actually build this thing for real? And we said, yeah, let's do it. So then uh, at that point, we went ahead and really built the first prototype and then deployed it at this show the following like January, I think. And uh, at that point, got a whole lot more interest and things kept snowballing from there. I got this uh, image of, um, you know, rushing, like, yeah, I started in the music business and um, we were signed to EMI Records. Uh, but then we left EMI Records and but EMI Japan said, have you got an album to license? And I said, yes, but we didn't. And they said, um, I said, if you can give us an advance licensing deal, we'll do the album. So they gave us the money, that money we used to do the album. And it kind of just really like pushed things into action. We were just <laughs> putting singles out. And then we said, oh, we can do an album. It could be released in Japan. It did amazingly well. Um, and I'm kind of like getting this image of Boxable. So they're saying, have you got one or a finished one, especially like show ready kind of thing? I can, your, your dad, he's from the UK as well. So I'm kind of thinking like, have you heard of the show Benny Hill? You've never heard of it? No. Okay, your dad definitely knows it. Probably. But like you can go on YouTube, Benny Hill's got this, it's like a comic sketch. And um, he gets chased around by women throughout the whole show, but it's like, it's got this kind of real kind of funny theme tune. Um, but it's all speeded up real quick. So I was imag- imagining like a Benny Hill, like boxable, Im- it'd be a good social thing actually. When you hear the theme tune and your dad, like putting the boxable together real quick, I can imagine like, we, is that what you had to do to get it ready for this show? <laughs> Like that quickly? Yeah. Or we, yeah, yeah. Okay. So it was, it was crazy. Uh, so we, we show like a little Benny Hill and stuff as well on the B roll. And nice. It, yeah, it was uh, it was kind of a shit show. We 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 didn't actually build that first prototype ourselves. We went to, okay. we went to a company else. in Canada mm-hmm. um, because they were using a version of this laminated panel system that we thought we wanted to use at the time. And so we went to them and said, you know, hey, can we build it? And uh, a lot of shenanigans and and crazy stuff and, and drama working with this other company uh, all the way up until the very end. It's not like you can check in on them every day, is it, unless you're living there? 
that was that was part of the issue as well you know yeah. i mean it was a, a lot of funny stuff happened and uh you know but we managed to pull it off and got the um the prototypes there just barely what was the lead up time like say hey go to the show yes we're gonna do it get know. someone to build it was it like less than remember. three months or more it was it was i don't remember exactly it's probably about three to six months okay. um and there was a whole lot of stuff to figure out with that first but that's great prototype. though J- jumping in that the pressure doing it there's oh, yeah. always shenanigans behind the scenes and yeah. whatever you do no matter how polished you are yeah but for me just listening to that story i'm going that you know that got you off your butt do it at the show so what happened at the show well, you know, the, the show was uh, great. Everyone was super interested. They thought it was really cool. Yeah. Um, and uh, funny thing is, then we did the same thing next year, and it was just as crazy, except that time we, we built it ourselves. Okay. Um, but that particular show, there was some funny drama that, that happened uh, because we're in Las Vegas, and the show was in, it was like January, February, mm-hmm. and we built a prototype that was not a, a real finished house. And it actually had a, a big opening in the roof, like down the middle, a big gap where you could look through and just see the sunlight. Because okay. it was just kind of a showcase. It didn't have a roof on it, really. And the morning of the show, it snowed. Mm. Uh, and, uh, and Snowed in Vegas. Yeah, it snowed in Vegas. And I didn't know it snowed in Vegas because I'm not from no, Vegas. No, I didn't know that. And I guess occasionally it does. Yeah. And so I was up there at like 5 o'clock in the morning scraping Shuffle. snow off uh, the roof. And then... As soon as the sun came up, the, the snow that was up there started melting, and then water started pouring into the house. Oh, no. And then every light fixture in the ceiling, water was pouring out of every light fixture, and it was just, like, crazy. And I was like, oh, my God, we're fucked. And, and uh, I kept cleaning, 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 and by, like, 9 a.m. when the show started, um, no one knew. And it was all clean and perfect. And you got the Vegas dry... <laughs> weather which probably helped a little bit as well. and you know our product since we're not building using these conventional building methods it, it does have more water resistance to yeah it, and that actually saved us didn't have like kind of we didn't you know, have like streaks down. yeah we didn't have damaged drywall which is like paper yeah or or anything like that uh we just wiped it all down and no one knew and it was hilarious and then <laughs> the, the next day it snowed again and the same thing happened and uh, no way. uh i'll remember um at the time we were talking to a guy very successful guy who did his own modular house company and we were trying to get him to invest. Yeah. And so he flew in, um, on his, on his private jet and I was there and I remember sitting, talking to him. And at this point it was snowing and water was pouring in the house and we were literally sitting (laughs) in the chair in the, in the portion of the house where water wasn't pouring down and water was pouring out of every light fixture, (laughs) dumping onto the floor, just like, and I was sitting there with this guy who's this guy very is not going to invest. <laughs> yeah, very successful, and, and flew in on his private jet. And I was just like, "Oh shit!" Uh, but you know, he he uh, he uh, he liked us, and he believed in it back yeah. then, and and uh, uh, he still does. So you know, that's cool. Did he did he invest? Too, can't really say on the specifics okay. of him. Yeah, but, yeah. It's it's weird. What, I'm wondering like why it had to be outside. I guess like. Because it's all homes and stuff. Because the amount of convention space. Yeah. Well, so the the builder show happens every year. It's a really big show. It's got over 100,000 attendees. Most okay. of it is inside in the convention center, but they just do a portion of it, which is called Show Village, okay. which is right across yeah, okay. from the main entrance in the parking lot. And they just have a bunch of houses there, yeah. all the modular houses. So we'll actually be back there again this year. Uh, we did those those two years. Then COVID, they didn't have it. So now um, we'll be back probably with a pretty spectacular. 
setup. This, it's going to be this year. like boxable, stacked. You're going to do a stacked version and stuff. Well, actually, we did that the, already. <laughs> yeah. So the the first year we we delivered prototypes that were 20 by 40 units, connected them two together to build a, a bigger single family house. Mm -hmm. Then the next year we said, all right, let's focus on this smaller unit. Uh, we have the backyard accessory dwelling unit market in California. The tiny houses are very popular. It's an easier, more manageable place for us to start. And we, and we did it, and we built the three prototypes that were 20 by 20 casitas like we have now. Mm -hmm. And then we actually went and stacked them two stories high in the parking lot. And I remember that was really nerve-wracking as well because I basically built those prototypes by hand uh, uh, with uh, a paint roller and buckets of glue. And um, you're supposed to laminate. When you laminate something, you're supposed to put pressure on it. Yeah. So we bought from Home Depot pallets of bricks. Uh, like put them on. And we <laughs> stacked pallets of bricks with a forklift on top of these panels after we glued them by hand. And uh, we actually returned the pallets of bricks to Home Depot after we were done with them. <laughs> <laughs> but I, so I built them by hand. And then uh, we, we, our warehouse wasn't big enough to really stack them in the warehouse. Mm -hmm. And we didn't want to rent the crane twice or anything. So the first time we actually stacked them was in the parking lot of the show. So I was just standing there, like, basically almost you didn't want You didn't want to, like, collapsible. Well, yeah, <laughs> collapsible, yeah. So I was, like, I remember standing there, and, and we're, for the first time ever, stacking uh, the, the houses on top of each other. And I was like, ugh. But, but it stacked, <laughs> and it was no problem. Uh, oh, and to add more complication, one of the sponsors of the show was uh, Western Windows, and they had this big multi-slide glass uh, door. Yeah. Uh, so basically, in addition to building these brand new prototypes with this brand new construction method, glued by hand by me, we had to cut out basically an entire wall out of one of them to make this big multi-slide glass door. Right. So that obviously, that's structurally, you know, you cut out a whole wall, it's going to make things yeah. weaker. Yeah. So we had to do that as well. Uh, pretty, pretty funny. Uh, but we stacked them and it all worked and nothing bad happened. <laughs> we didn't crush anyone at the show. <laughs> yeah, you don't want that to happen. The, um, Okay, so your last name, Tiramani, it's not like Smith or no, James. No. Like this off. Um, where does this name come from? So uh, both my parents came here from the UK um, a few years before I was born. Mm -hmm. And uh, then my father... Where in the UK? Uh, my, my father grew up outside of London. Mm -hmm. And then my mother was like Scotland, Edinburgh okay. area. Yeah. Um, but... Uh, my father's whole family was, was Italian before that, so he spent, you know, a lot of time in Italy. Speaks speaks Italian, and his last name is Tiramani. Right. So yeah, I was gonna say, first choice was gonna be Italian. Yeah. Yeah. So. And then you got Galliano. Does Galliano mean anything? Like, I don't know. Yeah, I guess you have to Google it. <laughs> I think I'm the only one, though. I'm the only Galliano Tiramani out there. You are. Or you aren't. I am. You are. Yeah. So okay. Google it. It's all me. <laughs> Everything I've ever done. Yeah. Yeah. Good or bad. <laughs> The the location, um, did you? So if you're in Northern California, where was your mom and dad at the time? Were they here or somewhere else? Uh, so they moved to New York City. I was born there. Then they moved like 30 minutes away to Connecticut. Yeah. Next door. Uh, I grew up there until I was like was maybe 25. Um, um, Connecticut's a real nice place. So I was raised in Darien and Stanford, yeah. and I just remember. So, I remember snow, like listen, listening to school reports, hoping that like you didn't have to go into school yeah. when, there, when there was no internet back then. Yeah. Um, and then really nice summers, like you know, like summer club in Stanford and swimming and art, like amazing times. Yeah. Um, so it's funny. So Sta so Stanford's a town over from Greenwich where I grew up. Okay. So we were neighbors. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, 
Yeah, so, you know, uh, grew up there when I was like 25, decided to uh, just go on vacation to California and uh, never came back. <laughs> he stayed. Yeah, I had a, back, had a backpack, um, went, went on vacation, decided I wasn't coming back, called my friends. I was like, go to my house, take anything you want, all the furniture. No way. What's your reason for just staying? You're just going, this is, I can do stuff um, out here? Or? So I had a, had a business related to Bitcoin. This was like 2013 okay. back in Connecticut, mm -hmm. and um, I was kind of burnt out from it. Um, you know, I was uh, uh, just working a lot, did, did really well with it and um, lived in Connecticut my whole life and just got to California and was like, oh, there's other stuff in the world. <laughs> and then uh, just didn't feel like going back. Didn't need to. Didn't have any reason to be anywhere in particular. And, yeah. You know. where, where in California? Started out in uh, uh, Santa Barbara because mm -hmm. I had a friend there and then ended up moving to Northern California once I found out about the marijuana stuff that was going on and all the money people were making and... Uh, Jumped into that, did, did a bunch of different marijuana businesses. How, how did you get into that? Because I only have seen stuff I've seen on TV and stuff. And it's like there was a time where everyone was doing it and it was illegal. Then like everyone was doing it and it was legal. <laughs> and then people didn't know if it was illegal or illegal. And there's a ton of people that have gone to jail over marijuana. And like now you, that's crazy. Like, I mean, there are people who have been in jail like maybe for life. That's horrible. Or like decades in jail. Yeah. Um, like what? What kind of time was this? Was yeah, this I mean, like when it was so, being well, legalized. Or? Well, it's still federally illegal, and the federal, right. the federal it's like per, it's per state, right? Yeah, I mean, the federal sentencing guidelines put people in jail for 20, 30, 40 years for nonviolent marijuana crimes, right. um, all the way up until recently. You know, they put people for those kind of sentences in jail at, with oh, the federal right. level, but on on a state level, um, <clears throat> California was the first one to kind of decriminalize it. And they created an absolute disaster for themselves. So in the 90s, they did medical marijuana mm -hmm. laws. And yeah. all those laws did was... Yeah, that's like when you used to... If you go to um, LA as a tourist and you go, go along the beach and then yep. you can like... It's, they just get, give you some kind of condition and they give you the marijuana, right? Yeah. That was the first step. Yeah. Like the kind of... Two. Yeah, and, and the, the weird thing about that was it didn't actually make it legal, but it gave right. people... A legal individually defense. well so it gave people a legal defense so when they right. got busted they likely wouldn't go to jail all of a sudden but it was still illegal so then you they I, created, thought, I thought like oh you get this medical you get this medical you've got a condition and then it's not illegal for you individually or is that just i just made it up in my head so you would know more about this so essentially even if you've got that like could the cops like not ban your door me and then? medical medical marijuana in california was still it was still a crime to okay. you know possess marijuana, cultivate it, sell it, I didn't even all know that. that stuff. I thought it was um, like, yeah, man. It's basically a bunch of like loopholes and, and bullshit and mm. shenanigans. And what they did by by setting the laws up that way created a huge disaster and a massive like underground criminal outlaw uh, culture there yeah. for real. And yeah. and then for the past you know twenty years, there's been large scale marijuana trafficking in California to the rest of the states in the country. So they created this culture where people would grow a few plants in their backyard, like big plants, but just a few of them. Mm -hmm. They'd make a hundred grand off the off the plants every year. They probably wouldn't really wouldn't get a job or anything because they'd just be selling the marijuana, and then they'd be moving around like large quantities of cash, driving it across the country. I mean, every type of crazy thing you can imagine was going on up there. And where I lived was in Northern California, where the farms were, 
in the woods. In the it's like hundreds of, of acres kind of thing. Yep, yep. Like Humboldt County, Mendocino County, um, Lake County. Uh, really opened my eyes when I went there and I saw what was going on. I was like, wow, this is crazy. And when I saw like the sheer con- quantities of, of cash that people were transacting with, I was like, all right, well, I'll, I'll, I'll try dabble I'll in it. I'll, I'll try that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. When you went back, when you were saying, when you thought of uh, your dad's um, invention and came up with the name Boxable and stuff, like you were saying, yeah, I was in the woods and then ran out of the woods or whatever. Like as soon as you started Boxable, everything you've done in the past was that literally in the past like this boxable thing is really this is like i'm I'm growing up with this like my dad invented it i'm yeah. taking it somewhere social media's kicked in and like say you've you raised a hundred million dollars like this yeah. is probably Crazy. doing better than yeah at a certain point i was you know doing the marijuana stuff and it was not it was a it was a big operation it was i made a lot of money it was totally crazy it was a lot of fun but it, it could only get so big like yeah. You're not going to become a billionaire living in the woods selling weed. <laughs> so you got that, kids. <laughs> so <laughs> if that's your dream, don't do it. But it was a way to get started. Uh, but uh, you know, at a certain point, I just realized, like, oh shit, Boxable is a big opportunity with a big upside. Frankly, I can't think of anything bigger. Mm. This is a, a trillion-dollar market. This is a huge idea. And um, at one point, said, all right, let's do it. And I, you know, sold the farm took my family and my kids and got in the car and drove to uh, Vegas, and uh, here we are. Yeah, what's the, so what's the, you drove to Vegas, was that your decision, like, to yeah. go to, Ve- like, is, well, it, so is actually, Vegas the place where they say everything's bigger in Vegas, or is that New York? I don't know. I don't know either, maybe but I'm thinking, maybe New York, but I'm thinking Vegas, everything's bigger in v- Vegas. Sure. Right. <laughs> well, uh, the reason Vegas was, um, that Paolo had just, um, my father had just basically sold a bunch of his intellectual property licenses back to the licensee. So essentially he had a big payday. Was, he, was, got, like, was he thinking like retiring or something? Well, no, not retiring. We would never yeah. retire. It's, I don't think it's in us. But um, he... he uh, Chilling back a bit. He was, he was living in Connecticut at the time and that there's no income tax in Vegas, but there's income tax in Connecticut. So he said, all right, well... I moved to somewhere where there's income tax and save a bunch of money. If I don't like it, I'll come back. So he just picked Vegas and moved here. And then... Uh, your dad moved first? Your mom and dad or you? Uh, just my dad moved to, to Vegas. Okay. And then um, eventually, after we started Boxable, and we decided Vegas is the place for Boxable, then I came down and, uh, you know... Yeah. The location's pretty dope. Like, so you get in the car from the Strip, you go north, then whatever that freeway is kind of bends to the left. And it literally, you see Boxable from the freeway. You know, it's almost like, yeah. I don't know, like if you're a kid arriving at Disney or something. Like you see a sign, you see it all. Location, location. It's a cool location. The amount of homes that are being built in that area. Cause I, had to, I went to a Target when I was out that way. And I was going crazy amount yeah. of it. Like, I mean, living in Orlando, Florida, that you know, I saw the growth of that. Yeah. But I mean, obviously, Vegas was tiny and it's massive now. But there's a, it's, it's very, it's going to be very, very residential. A lot of rentals there and stuff. It's oh, a yeah. new area. It's not like Summerlin where it's just like really too expensive now. So I kind of that you where Boxwell is is like a 
freeway exchange thing going on. There's a lot yep. of road work literally going around your building. Oh, yeah. So um, Vegas how did you find that place? Vegas is great. Great place. Um, certainly there's like more building in general going on out west because obviously we, in this country we started building in the east first. So yeah. It's already built up there. Um, you know, it was a good location for the taxes. We wanted to be near California. They have a lot of housing problems and high-cost housing, and we wanted to be able to ship into California. We didn't want to be subject to their, you know, overburdensome mm. regulatory nonsense and bureaucracy. It's very difficult there, high taxes, and, all that. And that's where, when you mention modular homes, there's a lot of modular home companies. Like, if you, you, I, I've been following modular homes for probably like four to five years, just kind of like as a mini fan of them because yeah. they kind of look cool and modern. Um, and there's a lot of companies that have raised a lot of money in modular yeah. homes as well. And the so the term ADU is that affordable dwelling unit or accessible dwelling unit? Like, what's the, um, the term, the government term for ADU? Yeah, there, there's certainly a lot of kind of housing startups in California to address the problem of high cost. But are they, what, um, where I'm going with this is, are they actually solving the problem because they're raising money they're and they're putting them in the backyards of millionaires? Oh, and then so you've the, got all these people under the freeway. It's, they're not. Well, well, for the ADUs. Uh, and they're well, using the term ADU yeah, so to it's, promote it's, their company, but they're a, not solving the problem. But I think you guys are or yeah. could, could be. Yeah, ADU is accessory dwelling unit. So it just means an accessory, what is that? accessory, accessory. dwelling unit. So okay. it just means another house in addition to the main house okay. on one single property. Yeah. What California has done is they've basically legalized putting a backyard in uh, a house in every backyard in the state and force the local governments to not block it so that, you know, they're all of a sudden opening up all these backyards that you weren't allowed to build in before. Okay. So it is going to help increasing the total supply of housing. People yeah. are incentivized to build. They want to use it as a rental property or whatever. And and so huge amount of growth in, in ADUs. That was the original idea for us to start with the Casita. But what ended up happening was everyone, every use case came in and said, we want one for this or that. And it didn't end up being ADUs. You know, as, as I said, we sold to uh, the, the government for workforce housing. We have an order from DR Horton um, for, you know, they're going to build a little village. Mm -hmm. uh, eventually, we'll, we'll sell them as used as ADUs. But uh, for now, the, the demand is just insane for everything you can imagine. Um, you know, and I'm sure what California has done is, is going to help increase the supply of, of housing with these ADUs. They were also allowing for subdivision of lots. So you can now basically... You know, let's say you draw a line in your middle of your property, slice off your backyard. You can then sell your backyard, and mm. someone else can build a house, right. a real a main house on yeah. the backyard. Um, so they're trying to create more density. Okay, yeah, that's my bad. I, I I thought it was affordable dwelling units, so I was going like, none of these companies are helping. Well, the other ones affordable. None of them are affordable. They're not. They're, the they're so ones. expensive. They're like, I mean, they're, they're like, like three hundred. What two hundred thousand for a. a, a ADU the size of our ADU. Yeah. They're like, what's it like? I don't know who's Square buying. foot, like 400 a square foot, 500 a square foot. Yeah. A lot. Right. It's a, <laughs> yeah, it's a, an expensive pool house or granny yeah. house or whatever you want granny to use flat. it for. Granny flat. That's a, that's an English term, granny flat. Mm -hmm. they, they don't say that here though in the States, do they? Granny flat? I don't know. I don't think so. I think that's an English term. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so, Vegas. How long have you been in Vegas? So you kind of you came to the you came to the show. You weren't were you in Vegas when you did that first show? I don't think I had come down yet. Right. Uh, I was just working on it. So we, you know, so while I was in California still. But 
uh, I think I moved to Vegas about three or four years ago now. Mm -hmm. I'm loving it here. Yeah. Right. I, I miss the farm life, though. Well, like living in the woods and stuff. Yeah, we, ha we had uh, cows and sheep and goats, 20 acres, beautiful views. I guess you now could I have, um, you know, 20 square feet. No, 20 you could acres. Put, maybe you could put like woods on top of the building or something. You know, like in big metropolis areas, they're like putting like trees and plants and like on top of the buildings. Oh, yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll Do build something a, like that. Yeah, we'll build a forest. Yeah. You can go back and then, like, where's Galeon? He's in the forest. <laughs> so tell me about, um, you know, Battle. What, what are you guys up to? Yeah. Well, ba Battle Approved is the name, obviously. <laughs> um, but then we've got Battle Approved Motors, yeah. um, which we then obviously call BAM for yeah. short. And I, as a kid, I, believe it or not, I, I, was, I was into extreme sports. So, like, me and my brother did BMX professionally. Uh, we did break dancing professionally. Like we we break danced for like fifteen years professionally. Um, so I've always been into extreme sports. When I moved to America and came to the West Coast, I saw this you know off road racing, which I've you know I haven't seen before. So I was watching it online. Went to a race, and I was actually in Vegas in 2015. And there was a race going on, a short course race, which is really like a big BMX track with with grandstands and stuff i wanted at the time i was um in tv um i'd done a tv show a country music tv show um and it was on warner brothers and cable and then i wanted to go nashville it was only like kind of in six markets and then like access tv which is mark cuban's network picked it up so that was a weekly country show but when i was in vegas seeing this off-road racing i just wanted to like say i'm gonna i'm gonna do a documentary about this but how is it going to be different and there were these these kids racing these vehicles like smaller trucks you had the guys like brian deegan jerry mcgrath from the motocross they kind of really kind of pushed this short course racing um since once they you know once they got out of their you know late 20s into their 30s rather than with age comes occasion the term right so with the motocross guys i don't want to break bones anymore I can go in a cage and I can crash and I won't break any bones, right? Yeah. As they got kids, they wanted their kids to race. And so these little carts started being built, which were mini trucks. Cut a long story short, the kids wanted to go quicker as they were getting older. And they created this class called the mod cart class. That was the class that I saw for the first time when I was in the grandstands. And I kind of called our um, crew. Uh, video crew and said I think I found what we should film and this is just like I just I wanted to get out of TV I wanted to do film this is like a whole story this is what started Battle Approved I was like filming documenting these families and kids for five years so from 2015 to 2020 but as we were filming I was I wanted to go how can I get more involved in this sport how could this sport grow and I wanted, so I wanted to create a, a new class when these kids hit 16. That was the, the idea for Battle Approved. But where it's gone now and the pandemic hitting, it's like I wanted to have an off-road vehicle, but I wanted it to be electric. So our research and development is pretty much like, kind of like, you know, going, I don't know, everything's going electric now. You know what I mean? 
Um, so it's electric and off-road, which is very, very new. No one's really done it before. People are starting to like kind of take Tesla Model 3 engines and batteries and putting them in Can-Ams and Polaris's and stuff. Cool. So it's like there's going to be shows on it. There's, there, there are people spending like hundreds of thousands of dollars on it. Yeah. Um, we, we, so we're very similar to you. You know, we're a startup. Um, we're working out what that technology to, needs to be. And it's really about um, that, that's that's the difference for me. Cool. It's like just it's off-road electric. That was electric, that nice. certainly that certainly wasn't an elevator pitch. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I kind of wanted to show like your your story. I'm trying to like combine it really short, going from extreme sports. So like as I get older, I just wanted to like stay in extreme sports. When I saw off-road, I fell in love with off-road. But it's like NASCAR or racing. You spend a lot, a lot of money. Um, so these families are spending anything from 500,000 to a million a year racing. Yeah. And I'm going like, if there was a company that had a better vision that I could like speak to the parents about and say, what about doing this and starting a company and you still race, but maybe some of the money can filter into a company that could be potentially the future of off-road. Mm-hmm. That's the passion. That's the belief for me. Sometimes it's hard to explain where I'm going with this. But it's very passionate based. I get it. I get it. So, yeah. so you're like basically the, uh, the the Tesla of off-road racing, pretty much. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Just um, th- that's what I want to be. Off off-road electric sounds great, actually. Yeah. I mean the torque and stuff that you get with the electric. Right. Uh, I have a I have a Can-Am, uh, four-seater. It's crazy. It's like full suspension, goes 100 miles an hour off-road vehicle. We take it to the desert, out here in in Vegas. And, uh, can you go? Can you go straight out of box of ball and straight into the desert from your building? Kind of. There's a little bit of uh, driving on the road, but that's exactly what I do. I go. Yeah. I go out of the factory, um, drive down the street a little bit, and then boom, we're at the. They call it the. I think it's called the, the apex or the ne- the Nellis Dunes. Uh, off road trails everywhere. At nighttime, it's like all the the lighting yep. and the buggy whips yep. and the flags. I got and the what. whips. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What about um, um, box of ball? Like one thing I haven't seen like is like a boxable at night, like lit up, like, oh, let's say steps. Or, cause you can do real cool things well, with LED open. lighting and stuff like that. 24 hours. Is the, is the box lit up in, at nighttime? Hell, yeah. So it's open 24 hours, so oh. stop by later tonight. You know, hang out there, do whatever you want. Are you doing tours right, don't, don't tell too many people, or some people start staying in, like, free, free <laughs> yeah, hotel. Yeah, they start living there. Free hotel. Yeah. Vegas. Maybe you could, yeah, you'd have a whole load of boxables at the top of the building and rent them out. Actually, uh, we are going to be setting up a bunch in the parking lot of the factory for people to come and stay in. So mm-hmm. we'll be Airbnb, uh, bounce yeah. bowls. Um, and it's going to be great because we have so many people coming for the tour. Uh, I think we've had over a thousand people uh, come and tour since we opened the factory, like nonstop every day. And now they'll actually be able to stay the night in a casita. Um, so we'll be setting that up in the next few weeks. So that'll be that'll be nice. When to get a boxable like larger, if someone wanted. Um 3,000 square foot, something like that. Um, I guess you're always going to... Okay, so if it's 20 by 20, if you wanted it 40 wide, then you just, like, knock down the wall, make it open, right? But then you could still ship them the normal way, how they fold uh, up. Yeah, I mean, right now we're just focused on the 20 by 20 because we want to get really good at that before we expand the system. We've got over 100,000 orders. Not everyone's going to... Some people are going to pull out and stuff, right, and not do it. But 
you got to concentrate on that first, right? It's like uh, get I mean, to the point where you're delivering those before you go bigger. Yeah, there's no reason for us to, to lose focus. We no. just keep it really simple, get really good at what we're doing, and then expand the system later. We will have bigger units, and we can go just basically longer and longer, 20 by 30, 20 by 40, 20 yeah. by 60, and then you can stack and connect those. Uh, the 20 by 20s can be connected now and stacked. You could open up a wall, like you said, uh, very flexible, but we're just keeping it simple with the casita. Uh, no customization, no nothing, and we have basically endless demand for just that. And uh, as soon as we can grow, uh, we'll be we'll be growing. What one? I got one question for you. The the government contract. So it's a military contract, right? Yeah. Which is slightly different to a government contract. Military cuts out a lot of. They make their own rules, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, how say any company go? Oh, I want to get a military contract. I want to get a government contract. That's a great place to start with, right? Yeah. How does one get one? <laughs> I would say uh, Instagram. Yeah? yeah. What they see you? <laughs> or uh, you? Well, or yeah. You I mean, so that's what happened. Um, all, all the marketing we do just hits everyone, and uh, and it's word of mouth. You know, I used to take phone calls every day, all day, like sixteen hours, like nonstop phone calls, because I was just it was just me and a few guys, and I was talking to everyone, and most of the people I talked to were full of shit. I was like, all right, sure, whatever. Well, it's, not, it's like not everything's like ninety nine percent bullshit. Yeah, right? no, it You've is. You've got to go then, through all of that. So, the so then one is. one day it was uh, it was a Saturday. I was I was at home, uh, laying in bed actually, and, and I took a call with a guy, and he said he was from the military, and he said he wanted to buy them, and I was like thinking in my head like, sure, whatever you say, yeah, yeah. No shit. <laughs> but he wasn't. He was a real deal, and he ended up placing the order, and he just found out about us just. From just general marketing, we did no specific outreach to the military or anything like that. And, uh, you know, he was the real deal. And he kind of got us, you know, started a little bit. Um, certainly, he increased the scale that we started. Yeah. Because we were planning, before that order, we were planning a factory that wasn't 170,000 square feet. But once we got that order, I was like, well, we got to start a little bigger. So then we did. And uh, uh, I think it, it helped us grow quicker. How did you like secure the commitment? Like obviously the agreement. Like you don't have well, to go in mass details, but like if you're going to say, well, we're going to take a lease on a hundred and seventy thousand square foot building, that's yeah. like that's a big commitment yeah, from crazy. your side. It was crazy. We were running with knives, and uh, what happened was, uh, had the first few calls with them, told them about it. They thought it was cool. Then they came and visited us. We just had a small little warehouse, a few prototypes that I built, and we showed them that, and they thought it was great, and they wanted to place the order. And I basically said to them, like, you guys know, like, we've never built these before. Or we've built, we never yeah. had an assembly line before. We've built a few prototypes, and we don't have a building. And are you sure you want to do this? And they were like, yeah, let's do it. I was like, all right. Uh, so I, I uh, actually ended up touring them, our, fact, our new factory, um, before we even had the lease signed on it. So I basically showed them this building. I was like, this is where we're going to put the factory. Um, we hadn't signed the least yet it wasn't our building mm -hmm. um and they were like all right cool let's do it and i was like all right and then uh went ahead and ran full speed uh when we got into that building i must have been really good to like say yes let's do it i mean if, if, that, if, if you, that would have given you a lot you, of confidence if by right? good you mean you know riddled with anxiety and, and doubt and fear then yeah that's <laughs> that's half of it but so, it's got to be like so we got into that building uh we didn't have really enough money at all to execute but we just kind of believed that okay. it, it would come. It wasn't like a massive uh, down payment from uh, them. Um, uh, like they, they, did, they did pay up 
uh, we did negotiate very, very well. I ended up negotiating 50% um, payment up front. That's right. Uh, yeah. 20, another 25 before delivery and the remaining 25 on delivery. So that helped a little bit, yeah, but yeah. That's, 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 you know, good, that's, five million, that's $5 million. That's yeah. not nearly the money we needed to do this thing. Um, but yeah, we negotiated really hard. That helped a little bit. That helped make us feel better. And then even getting that building that we got was very unusual because we went there, you know, to this landlord who had just built this brand new, you know, whatever million dollar building it, it was. And multi-million you know, is like massive. Right? Yes, yes. <laughs> um, the number I don't know. It's it's a lot. Tens of millions. Tens, right? Um, so, uh, basically said, hey, can we lease this building? And we had no track record. We had no money in the bank. They didn't ask us for a personal guarantee, and they gave us a bunch of months free rent. And we were okay. like, holy shit! <laughs> and I think the only reason that we got that building was that it was right around the time that COVID was starting, and I think they were scared. And they were scared that it was going to be like 2008 and everything was going to go to shit and they were going to go bankrupt. So they are like, all right, yeah, fuck it, we'll good. just give it to these guys, take their money, and, and hope that they do well. Uh, so we kind of lucked out because we had other landlords say, no, thank you, right. or give us a huge deposit yeah. or put a personal guarantee on it. And this way we got this building was just amazing. Uh, was it a lot of searching or...? Yeah, we looked at buildings all around town. Luckily, another good thing about being in North Las Vegas is that they have an incredible amount of warehouse development. So yeah. the mayor, uh, uh, Mayor John Lee, is absolutely amazing, very pro-business, very pro-manufacturing. His idea was that in 2008, when everyone got destroyed, uh, Vegas did worse than everyone else because all the, okay. the you know, play money that, that people were spending on vacations and stuff, that's the, the first thing they stopped spending money on. So Vegas was harder hit than anywhere else in the country, I believe, in 2008. So he was saying, we need to change the economy a little bit and make it not just service-oriented, but we yeah. need to bring manufacturing and distribution and all that here. So he made it so easy to build warehouse buildings. Since I moved here till now, there's millions and millions of square feet of warehouses gone up. There's currently millions and millions for lease. There's millions and millions planned to be developed. So it's really ideal that situation like that doesn't really exist anywhere else where we can just jump in and say you know we'll take you know 200,000 feet of warehouse space and it's there for us to take so really ideal you know that was one of those things where it was kind of more more luck than judgment that we just got this these warehouses popping up all over the place and <laughs> uh you know so that's going to help us going forward too as we try to expand yeah what's it like living in vegas like obviously you, yeah yeah, it's great. I, I like the weather. I prefer not to be in the in the snow on the East Coast anymore. Right. Um, it's not just the Strip, obviously, Las Vegas. It's a very uh, nice place to live. There's a lot of amenities. There's a lot of nice restaurants. There's a lot of parks and things to do with your kids. And we live in a nice suburban neighborhood off the Strip and mm -hmm. uh, uh, absolutely love it. I probably won't be here forever, but definitely enjoy it while I am. Yeah, that's definitely impressive. Um, Vegas. So are you like I, I mean I'm not from Vegas obviously, um, but I am here for uh, USC X, which is and you, there's a big USC fight this Saturday. Oh, cool. um, you into fighting or sports or anything like that? Um, no, no, don't care about more, sports. More more like a workaholic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, I'll I'll go out on the dirt bike and stuff. Yeah. For like half an hour, you know, once every couple months. Yeah. Blow off steam. But that's about it. Never really been interested in, in sports or anything. Uh, just basically, you know, work, 
hang out with my family, and that's it. What um what areas of Vegas are nice then? So like if someone came here, like get off the strip, where can you go? Because a lot of the places that are being kind of touted are w- wouldn't be suggested great places to go to, but Vegas has like you say it has all these communities around it. Yeah. So there's got to be some very you know pretty interesting places to go to. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of, like, you know, nature stuff and hiking trails and, uh, you know, Summerlin is, is, is a nice, fancy neighborhood. I don't live there. I live in uh, the north northwest area, which is another nice area. It's closer to my factory. Okay. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's lots, lots of different stuff going on. Yeah. Going back to your dad, so he's the inventor of this. Are there any other inventions he's done in his time? Uh, oh, yeah. He's got probably over 200 patents. Really? Um, he's into racing as well, right? He's need, he's got a car. Yeah. Well, so he's, he's raced motorcycles his whole life. Okay. Um, and then he has this side project now where he's basically engineered this whole car from yeah. scratch. So he engineered like so many products on the car, um, you know, including like the entire transmission system all drawn up in 3d mm-hmm. and then, you know, brought to life for real in a, in a kind of a prototype vehicle. Um, but that's, uh, that's just a side project. And then uh, one of the bigger hits that he had as far as like career-wise was actually a toolbox that sells all over the place. And in Home Depot, it's done like billions mm. in sales and it's called the Rolling Workshop. It's just kind of a little tool, of that, tool case, a uh, bunch of different drawers and stuff. Um, has wheels on the bottom, kind of like a piece of luggage where the yeah. handle comes up. Um, so that was a big hit, S- sells endlessly. Um, and he's done a whole bunch of other products as well. I imagine there's a lot of brands that use that, right? So if he designed it, got the patent on it, once you got the patent, then you're kind of like, it's, it's a license, right? So yeah. anyone that's sold, you're getting money coming in, I guess, all the time? Well, hopefully. not anymore because all of it's being sold off. Okay. So he doesn't actually have oh, any, yeah, when he sold any patent licenses yeah. anymore. They're all offloaded now. But that's where you make your money. You, do, you may, may do like 100 inventions and one oh, yeah. is a hit kind of thing. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's had a bunch of, of hits, um, but certainly, you know, intellectual property licensing was, was the business model for him. Yeah. So what's the next stage? You've delivered these 150, 156 units yeah. to the military. Now, the, I guess there's a bit of downtime to think, like, well, you've had the growth. You've had all this investment come in. You've got the warehouse. So what's new, like say, like from today onwards? Where yeah, so we're just taking everything we learned from that initial production run, and we're tuning everything up. So that means uh, next gen of the product, where we have all these improvements to the product. It means all new manufacturing equipment. Where we'll bring in, you know, more automation, more stuff, more fixtures, and all the different stuff we need to be more efficient in the manufacturing. And then um, a little bit of time where. We're not rushing to produce so much, and we're just kind of getting real-world feedback because mm-hmm. this is a new product, it's a kind of experimental product, and we don't want to run too quickly. So uh, we'll get some real-world feedback, and then once we get all that stuff, you know, uh, recalibrated, all the new equipment online, then we'll really ramp up. And um, meanwhile, in the background, we are planning a absolutely monster factory that I think will be the biggest and most advanced housing factory the world has ever seen. I think it's going to completely destroy uh, everyone else in the game, and we're going to be able to crank out 
housing uh, lower cost faster than anyone's ever done before. So we're trying to basically set up a billion dollar factory. Uh, hopefully, like a, right is here there like Vegas. a name for this, like a code name or something? I think we call it the Monster Factory. Monster Factory. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Unless you have a better name. I, I might be able to come up with one. Not straight away though. I can't think of. We'll go with that. <laughs> Monster Factory. And is that going to be? You think that's going to be in Vegas? I'd like it to be. Yeah. Uh, for the same reasons, it makes sense to have this first factory. It'll make sense to have a bigger one. Uh, certainly, the market can absorb all that housing and, and more. Yeah. And um, you know, the teams here and everything makes sense. We still want to be near California. Um, there's there is land available and warehouse development available that we can hopefully get something uh, big, big campus, millions of square feet in warehouse building, a few hundred acres, um, full, you know, automobile style mass production, robotics, all the crazy stuff that you see in the manufacturing of other modern products, but you do not see in housing. Uh, we think we'll, we'll have that, and we think it's going to push our costs down and our efficiencies up to a level where everyone is just kind of uh, blown away, hopefully. Yeah, I see it like more, like obviously everything, everyone's excited about the box. But the more I speak to you, I'm kind of actually like more excited about like changing the building game. Like potentially, I don't know if you're the middleman, but if you are, whatever it's going to be. But like, I just think like, because my, my brother and I, we've, we've built about six or seven homes, 3,000 to 6,000 square foot in Florida. And my brothers and carpenter, so that's great, right? So he can do all the walls, da -da 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 -da, so we don't have to like pay someone to do something else. But now through the pandemic and just hearing people that are building right now, um, especially if it's outside of an area, I don't know, so just say it's like 20 miles outside of a city. That's not that far. People aren't even willing to drive 20 miles to get work. And if they do, they're charging like two, three times the amount. Like, you know, I'm here, just like if you, okay, first stage, four corners of the, of the lot or something, survey. Even to get a survey is hard. So imagine how hard it's going to be through yeah. every stage. So obviously where I'm going with this, kind of hyping up Boxable here, but um, you fix all of that. It's all done in a warehouse. No weather problems. Maybe you don't even have to wait that long or whatever. It's, I, I see it as, so with this DR Horton thing. Is that how they see it? Like, you got, you, Boxable and D. Holton together can kind of work out the best way of doing it yeah. to create a new, new town. Yeah, a, a lot of the big uh, opportunities we're seeing are in places where they're a little more remote. Yeah. So they okay. literally can't build there yeah. because they don't have the no one wants to go there tradesmen and yeah. they would have to ship them in and it yeah. would cost double. Uh, those are like easy pickings for mm -hmm. Boxable. So we're seeing guys like D.R. Horton bring us projects where it's like workforce housing for a big company uh, out in the middle of nowhere and all the hard work's done in our factory we ship it out and they set it up quickly and the reason dr horton's interested in us is because they've looked at all these modular solutions they've been around town they know how to build their experts but they're looking at us and saying well based on everything we know and, and they know everything about building construction uh, these guys might might have the winning ticket here yeah uh, they, they're onto something for all these reasons and They've jumped in. They've invested in us. They've placed a large order. They're helping us with R&D. They're bringing us other resources. It's been an amazing partnership. That's cool. I'm thinking right now, I mean, so we've got two, over 200 acres for battle-approved motors. Yeah. About two hours south of Vegas. Um, I think we're acquiring another 280 
So obviously we're going to have to find another 20 to round it up to 500. But we have got also, we've got an acre, which is just down the road. And I'm going to like kind of apply like, like we need to have some setup somewhere for people can go. And it, the, the road where this land is on, like all ATVs and UTVs, cool. that's where they go. Um, so maybe we'll have to do, I'm going to, maybe I'll call it something like Bamable or something. Let's do it. Like Bam and Make Boxable. You a yeah. No, hope, definitely a village, but to start, I'm thinking like something like 1,600 square foot, right? Yeah. Thank you so much for having me on your show. And yeah. uh, if anyone's listening is interested in Boxable, please you know, check out our website, boxabl.com. Check out our uh, YouTube, Instagram, all the social media. We're posting like nonstop updates of what we're doing, you know. And if you're interested in coming and actually seeing it in person, you can stop by the factory anytime. There's a tours page on the website where you can schedule a tour. We are kind of showing everyone everything we do, every step along the way. And uh, so come, you know, check it out. And thanks for listening. Yeah, that's cool. I think go and do it. I've done it. It's, it's interesting. So, yeah, man, thanks a lot for coming on the show. Cool. All right. Thank you. All right. <laughs>